So I think in the West, a lot of us, um, spirituality or sacredness isn't woven into life. It's kind of like, you know, you may follow a religion or actually be the opposite of doing that. Um, And so spirituality turns into this other world rather than part of what's already here. Welcome to season four of the Tapping Into podcast. This is a podcast where we explore different spiritual, natural and alternative ways to heal our lives. My goal is to help support you in your journey, whatever stage that may be. In this season, we're digging a bit deeper into the emotions and traumas that often kickstart or accelerate our healing journey. We discuss shame, sex, death, burnout, Ayurveda, breathwork, flower essences, rituals and embodiment, all with a bit of science to back it up at the end. I really hope you enjoy this season. Today I am deeply honoured and excited to bring you a conversation with spiritual teacher Rebecca Campbell. Rebecca has been in my life since around 2015. After the death of our daughter Alice, her book Light is the New Black found its way into my hands. I was searching for answers and searching for a way to navigate this new world and her book brought me comfort in the bigger meaning behind events in our lives. She would then go on to become a spiritual teacher and mentor. Little did she know, I read all of her books, went to her workshops bought her oracle cards, became a member of her community and even recently I was picked as a member of the month and got to lead Rebecca and 120 people live in some tapping in one of her monthly circles. It was such an honour. In this episode we chat about embodiment and what that really means, but how we are indeed nature and not disconnected from it, how to work with ritual and the seasons to connect with the divine within us. Rebecca also graciously discusses her recent baby loss journey with us and how she's recovering from that grief. It's a special conversation and I'm just so proud to bring it to you today. I really hope you get a lot out of this. Please do jump into my DMs, let me know what resonated and what you might take forward with your life. Enjoy! Welcome, Rebecca, to the Tapping Into podcast. I am so excited to have you here. This has been like three, well, we tried, I think, to arrange it three times or four times. The first time we did, it was a global Zoom knockout. And I, did you see, did you see a picture just fell off your wall? I know, I know. I just put it up before. It's been falling off all day. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I had a, a Reiki session once and the picture of Jesus kept falling off the wall. Oh my God. <laughs> so I noticed when things like that happen. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Uh, I wanted to let you know that I um, I came to your London event with my friend Kim. She flew over from Dublin in November 2019. Do you remember that beautiful venue and that big event? And we were just blown away I think I joined your membership very shortly afterwards and you're such a huge spiritual teacher you really are and you help so many people around the world and I remember 
finding, and I don't know how, you know when I have I have a blackout as to how I have light of the, is the new black in my hands. <laughs> I remember finding it after we lost our daughter Alice. Mm. And it was like, you know, when these things just come absolutely at the right time, it helped me reframe my experience. It helped me, you know, on this path now, here I am doing spiritual work, which I, I suppose like you years ago, thought was never even possible or would never happen like you were a creative director in an agency I was a marketing director in a corporate world so mm. you know lots of things happen to shift and and change um your life as as we know it and today I wanted to talk to you about embodiment and spiritual embodiment and what that means and mm. even now as a spiritual person and as hopefully a, a, a teacher I hopefully um, help other people as well um, that word is still mm. mysterious to me and I'm just going to share this because I just finished a client call actually a, be- a lovely li- English lady living in Perth and she was explaining to me about the birth of her first daughter and she nearly died and she was 24 and she felt that saw the light coming to her and um and was harboring you know some deep guilt she literally never thought about it until today um and it made me think of our chat today you know this 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 embodiment and what happens when we actually experience levels of trauma on that mm. scale and then how we integrate afterwards um tell us a little bit about what what does embodiment mean because it feels like a very big spiritual term that I so I can't put my hand on. Yeah, it's um I, I so hear you and it's it's such a fascinating topic as well. And yeah, I'll just talk from my journey with it. Um and obviously I'm coming from the um yeah, I, I I grew up in a family that wasn't very spiritual. Was, my dad was a sports teacher. Mum was a fashion designer, but like I was really into sports. So I, I was very embodied growing up. If I look at like my background and then had my awakening and awakening process never, ever, ever ends. <laughs> I've had so many parts to the awakening and it sounds all very lovely. But the first bit was definitely going up rather than down. Um, and it felt like to me, like this whole new world opened up and I've been reflecting on this quite a lot. I've actually, I don't know when this is coming out, but we've, we've, we're doing a a video series called the embodied mystic. So I've literally been in this, in this world. So I'll, I'll send you that link and I'm sure we can make it available if it's, if the timing doesn't work. Um, but yeah, it's, here's where I am with it all. So I think in the West, a lot of us, um, spirituality or sacredness isn't woven into life. It's kind of like, you know, you may follow a religion or actually be the opposite of doing that. Um, And so spirituality turns into this other world rather than part of what's already here. And it was actually at the very beginning of COVID, I think I just moved to Glastonbury and um, I remember the field I was standing in and I was writing this book that I have not, I've written over 80,000 words, but I've not done anything with it yet. Like it's not, I have not submitted it to my publisher because I just I can't quite work out what it is. But the book that I am writing is called Returning. And I was standing in this field and I was just like, 
what is this like the awakening and embodiment and like you know these two parts the humanness the earth the heaven like what is all of this as above so below and all these mystical spiritual terms that I'd read about and you know I could have taught like taught on but it was like ah there's something that's not kind of like weaving together between them all and I really saw how so often um for those of us who aren't born into a culture where the sacred is already woven in um then it's like you have this awakening and often it does happen like you were saying in these initiatory moments they can be like excruciating moments where we're just like it rips us that rips the veil of the world that we have been unconsciously conditioned all of that and you're just like no like when someone dies or when you experience something extreme you know I always remember these moments where like when dear ones have passed or just anything significant has happened and you wake up in the morning and you open the door and you're like how is the sun shining? How are the street sweepers sweeping the street? Like why hasn't the whole world stopped? And so I think it's often these moments that kind of rip us from our slumber in a way. And it's like a whole new world opens up. And often it is an up for us in the West. Now, not always, but in my experience, that has been what it is. And when I reflect back on that, I'm like, okay, it was amazing. Like seeing these new worlds, seeing this new possibility, like seeing in Technicolor glasses almost, you know. But when I reflect back, I can also see how when that happened, I felt kind of like split from the world I was living in prior to that. Does that make sense? So my normal life with my normal friends and my normal blah, 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 I'd feel like I don't quite fit in there. And so it's like there's these two worlds all of a sudden. Um, And when I look back on my journey and, you know, from speaking to others as well, often that this is what's happening. And then in my experience, what happens for many of us is there is like an ascent and then a descent. (laughs) And I'm definitely just, I'm hoping, coming out of (laughs) a big, big, like many year long descent where it's felt like I've been hurtled back into my body, like deeply, deeply, deeply. And, you know, the ascent that I experienced was, yeah, it it was triggered through um, grief and difficult things happening. Um, And then the other has felt like it's been more of a physical thing of like, yeah, like relationships or um, or COVID, um, or um childbirth so that's brought me more deeply in and in my experience the ascent is a lot more like woo and like pleasurable and ecstatic even and the descent can sometimes be quite excruciating and and both can be true but yeah I've been really interested in the difference of the two and if you look at you know, people like Joseph Campbell, um, there's a few other female mystics that I've been studying who have their own theories of like stages of awakening. Um, And so you could say descent is like a purification process. That's what a couple of people say, or the returning home. So yeah, well, the the challenge, the dark night. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's really fascinating. And I think that um, 
what I see happening collectively right now, and I think through this initiation that we've all been going through these difficult years, which have affected us in all different ways. Um, and by that, I mean like COVID, that, that kind of period, which I know we're, for many of us, we're still in. Um, it's felt like there has been some kind of collective stirring, waking up, something occurring. But I think there's been a lot of dissent happening, particularly within those of us who were already awake but it's like hurdling us to kind of weave the two back together because if we just get things conceptually or, you know, it's like my teachers always taught me intuition is pointless unless you act on it. Um, And so if you're just kind of like here in the kind of like, oh, look up to the heavens and the angels and how amazing spirituality and codes and da-da-da-da-da without actually having the proper lived experience right down into the cells, then it's not embodied. Mm. Um, And, yeah, and it's I've always been fascinated by the awakening process and um, some people, even people who have, say, like near-death experiences, it can be, boom, instant. Now, there is many, but people always struggle to explain. There's a word like called ineffable, like explain what actually happened. Um, And I think that when we have these experiences that are even instant, they take years to integrate, to embody, to properly like own it into ourselves. And for me, that's what embodiment means in the context of like spirituality and awakening and all of that. Yeah. So is it like an anchoring in of that up upper energy mm. into each cell? So ultimately we are a changed human as a result, right? So we've it's yeah. the, is it the cocoon phase, you know, mm. the into the, the transformation phase? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I just keep being shown like the stitching together of the two. Mm. Um, and I think that, yeah, if I reflect back, I'm like, gosh, like even when I had that moment um, standing in that field, even then when I'd been like actively living and consciously like aligning my life to my soul and like it had it was my focus and passion and all of that. Even still, I saw how I was like, okay, I'm going to go and do spiritual practice now. And then I'm going to go into nature now, like Mm -hmm. seeing myself as separate from it. And I think this is part of, part part of like, I don't know if it's a problem, but like the kind of cause of the lack of embodiment, because we're not seeing the sacred that is right here in front of us like you know I've been picking blackberries with my son and it's like oh my god like how have they gone from green to red to like bloody black like how is that possible um and we've stopped seeing that and I think that severing from the earth from from my experience anyway it feels like that severing is the thing that um like those of us who, and I think if we go back, um, you know, and there's m- many different in- indigenous traditions that talk about the sacredness of the earth, and you know, and and if you track back through all of us, we have that in our ancestry. Some of us, you just might have to go a lot longer. Um, 
And I think it's that disconnection from the earth as sacred and us as part of the earth that causes, that has caused this kind of like lack of embodiment. Mm. Yeah. And I think we're coming back to that all. That's definitely what I've been called to do. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been struggling a lot this last, even just couple of weeks with, um, an energy that's coming in, but, but that I'm not anchoring. And so I reached out to somebody for a healing and she said that I had like this, um, block and a fear of like a, like a paradoxical belief that I couldn't be my true self and receive these, this new energy. And like, that doesn't make sense to me consciously, but subconsciously there must've been this like resistance to what's ready and waiting and sitting in my body. So like, like we're talking about this embodiment, like this energy is coming in, Mm. but actually are we, are we able to hold it? Are we able to receive it? Do we even know how to do it? Like I've just been running around confused, uh, questioning my relationships, questioning my ability, questioning the ego going crazy, right? Um, and I'm hoping what she did, it was only just yesterday that she did this clearing for me to, to allow this energy to settle and to come in. So how do we even know? I really wasn't, I was just confused. I wasn't quite aware that this energy was coming in. It was my tarot lady that said there's something big happening and you need, to, you need some support to help anchor it in. Um, so how do we know? Like, how do we know what's going on when we well, can't see it? Yeah. So, well, I think I just keep on wanting to go back to nature, right? So I think when we're going at a speed that's faster than nature, we're kind of like bombarding ourselves with so much information and pressure and blah, 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 blah. Whereas when we, and and this is why we in my practice, I integrate nature so much because like, as those like um, blackberries are like, they haven't been ready for a very long time. Like my son and I have been wanting to pick them and we have been because both of us, he's worse than me, but it's only because he's a little kid. Like I am like, I get so excited. I'm like, I want to taste them now, you know, and you taste them and they're not ready. They're not ready. And, but it wasn't until last night, they're finally here. And we could feel that they were coming. You could feel the energy in the air and then you could see them, but you had to wait until the right time, you know? And so, yeah, some people have the gift to be able to see before it's here, Mm. but ultimately it's like if we're not pressuring ourselves to be at a different stage than what we actually are, it can just emerge. And then, of course, we've got like the added element of kind of you know, just like properly listening constantly of like, yeah, there is this thing. Like when I have, I've just come out of like, I would call it. So if we're talking inner seasons here, I've come out of like a very long inner winter. Mm. And during that phase, um, it would have been really, really easy to be like, right, you got to produce, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I just wasn't receiving clarity I was getting deep writing, but no clarity on projects, nothing until boom, spring came and the whole structure of um, a training arrived that I'd been praying to receive 
for years, really. Yeah. And I've learned to trust the timing of all of that rather than, you know, kind of being like, I should be here. Or I'm trying to understand this thing before it's actually arrived. Cause we end up just wasting so much time trying to figure things out or be ready, like at a different stage than we actually are. So how do you lean into that trust and that surrender? So a lot of people will, the concept of letting go, the concept of trusting yeah. appeals to them, but the actual doing of it. So yeah, totally. So the first thing to do is probably get off social media <laughs> or just not be on social media when you're kind of like, you know, it's that thing of like, don't go shopping when you're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so I if you're it. feeling like you might be a little bit triggered if you say something, don't go on social media because yeah. it's, I don't know how to go on social, not, I don't know how to go on social media without little bits of comparison or shoulds or whatever Which coming means. in. So yeah. it's designed for that. <laughs> so that's probably a good thing to do. Yeah. And definitely be prioritizing like communion time with yourself. And so by that, like, yeah, it's some sort of um, spiritual practice, but I, I particularly find journaling really, really good um, and particularly journaling with rhythm. So 10 minutes a day or three pages a day or whatever, whatever feels realistic, the rhythm of it is really important because you want to be in, in communication with your inner voice, not just the voice of the head. Not there's anything wrong with the voice of the head or the external voices, but we want to be deeply connected here um, because our soul trusts deeply. It knows it's connected to that great intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, our head, now we can invite the, the mind, which is amazing to kind of like act on behalf of the soul. Um, but the, the surrender voice will always come from deep within, not from the head. I mean, maybe some people will program themselves to be like, just relax, you know, but that is definitely not what my, what my head sounds like at all. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, another really, really, really simple practice is properly, like uh, if, if you, so what I believe is that we are part of nature. So just like the trees, the water, all flowers, all of that. And that intelligence that tells the flowers when to bloom, seasons to come and go, the tides to come in and out, that same pulse exists within us. And so the way I've decided to live my life is to try and be as in connection to that as possible. Um, and so I find that getting into nature and noticing nature is a constant reminder of like, oh yeah, those berries aren't ready overnight or those roses. Like I had roses in my garden. They were just exquisite. And then we had a, a, a birthday, um, like at a gathering at our place and all the roses are gone because the season had gone. All the petals are in the floor. And I'm like, Oh, it'd be so nice if they were here. <laughs> but if those petals didn't go, the second bloom won't come and the the fruit won't come either. And so it's constantly teaching us how to surrender. Um, the one certainty we know that we have, and we know this through aging, we know this through um, loved ones passing, that change is the, the certain to your yes. life like it, it it is it it sucks but it is and so anything that can help us um recognize constant change 
and that we are constantly changing, um, I think is, is helpful. And how do we weave in, so you mentioned before that, you know, we're not culturally having um, a spiritual awareness isn't in the everyday and, and we, we separate ourselves like, like I was just describing earlier, like myself from my spiritual practice is almost different. Right. How do we, um, how do we start to, to weave that together uh, more mindfully? Cool. So I'd say the first step is to just do some kind of daily practice. Um, so this is for people who don't do a daily practice, mm-hmm. make it bite-sized, five, 10 minutes. It's enough. Just pick one. Um, like don't get overwhelmed with all the choices. Just pick one and keep showing up to it. So you have like a rhythm that goes through your life. Um, so that's if you're starting from nothing. Yeah. Um, if you've been doing practice for a while, um, this is such a good invitation. Uh, I was talking to my friend, um, Michael, about this, where the purpose of spiritual practice is not necessarily to just feel Zen while you're doing the practice. It's to bring your practice into your normal life. <laughs> so it's like, first of all, you might notice that you might be a bit more of a nicer person when you do your practice and it kind of like filters through the day. Mm-hmm. But we're all human. Like we're not meant to be all like, whole, I'm definitely not holy all day long. But just note like that that sacred pulse that you kind of touch, seeing like, can you extend it a little bit more? For example, when you uh, order your coffee, um, you might be like, I'm going to see the sacred in that person. So I'm going to, I'm not just going to gloss over and just be like, oh, like just order my coffee. I might be like, actually see the light behind their eyes. Or you might, as you're going for a walk, instead of just kind of like, kind of glazing over what you see you might be like wow look at that tree and 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 like try and see the sacred in the tree try and see the sacred in the flower mm-hmm. um yeah and and so and then so it's like the invitation is to try and see the sacred in everything you know um and like other things is like you know, as a mom, um, my God, like my spiritual practice ain't what it used to be. No way. Like it's not possible, you know? So, but, but I think since becoming a mom, I feel like I've woven more sacred into my life than I did before because I have to, if I want to. And so I'm like, right. So we're going to, you know, I build altars. So instead of just me doing an altar myself, I'm like, right. Sonny's my son's name let's pick up some um, conkers or some berries and we'll put it on the altar. And so it's actually more woven into my everyday life rather than being something that I go and do. Or when, you know, when they just don't sleep at all and you're spending the whole night feeding them and kind of rocking them and all of that and singing to them, how could I sing something that's like, I'm like bringing, say, my chanting practice into my normal life. And yeah. And so, yeah, we've, we've, as a family, we've been really looking at like how we can properly weave it back in and and create our own sacred traditions within the family, within our every, everyday life. So you don't obviously don't need a family to do that. (laughs) No, but that, that, that makes so much sense and I when you're talking about that I actually feel I'm slightly disconnected to my family because I'm doing what I'm doing 
and my everyday job is tapping and supporting people and you know and learning and trying to embody and etc and then I'm the and then I'm like the other the other half of me is the mom and the the wife and and the friend and the daughter and I feel like they are quite separate now that you you talk about that so I'm sure I'm not alone in that in that respect totally and there's simple ways that we can weave it and like I don't know anyone on the planet right now who doesn't have some kind of separation with that because like we're creating these new models. So it's not a like, Oh, if you're not doing it, it's you're not doing it right. Kind of thing. But just like, like there, some, some of us have ancestral lineages that, that we're born into and there's traditions that we're following. And then there's others that have been lost. And so if, if you, it hasn't been passed down to you through generations and generations, you, you get to create your own and you can mm. research different traditions and, and um, you know, maybe the ways of your ancestry. Like, for example, here living in the UK, which is where my ancestry is from, um, there's like, um, you know, the Celtic Wheel of the Year. So Beltane and Lunasar is next week, depending when when this goes live. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're Celtic um, festival days that we as a family have decided to honour. Um, yeah. But, you know, same thing, like Christmas can be that too, but how can you bring the sacred into that? What is like your family tradition? Mm. Like we we started a new family tradition when we first moved to Glastonbury before we had Sunny where, oh my God, I don't know if I want to chop down a Christmas tree, like just for a week or yeah. however long. Um, and so we started a tradition where we will buy a tree that we then end up planting in the garden, like the trees inside and then in the spring. So that's something that we do together. So it doesn't have to be like we have to meditate together as a family. Yeah. I, I don't think we've ever, well, there's no way my son would meditate to start with. Like mm-hmm. getting him to take deep breaths is, you know, enough. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like there's so many ways that you can do it or like in birthdays, um, We've started a thing where we have a, a birthday cape, a gold birthday cape, and you get to share your heart's deepest wish. That's a sacred practice. Aww. You know, it doesn't have to be like this, like set rigid spiritual practice. And I think that's that's part of it. While that does, like having the rhythm of like a set practice really helps us build our muscles up when it comes to weaving it all the way through you can be creative. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. I'm an EFT tapping practitioner and trainer, and I work with women all over the world, helping them truly let go so they can shape their own future free of the conditioning and shackles of the past. I've created a Tapping Into Motherhood membership and community where we meet monthly to tap on emotions and issues that are coming up for us, We have monthly full moon meditations with guest host Kelly Day. We enjoy guest speakers and I create a tapping or meditation for the month too. As well as that, you have access to a library of over 100 tapping videos, meditations, resources, courses and more. And right now the doors are open for just a short period of time. So check out www.tappingformums.com forward slash join dash membership for all the details and if the doors are closed when you visit you can join a waitlist on my website you can also take my new motherhood self-care toolkit quiz 
to help you identify which part of your life needs a bit of extra self-care right now. Is it your mind, your emotions, your body or your soul? And if you have any questions, do email me sarah at tappingformums.com. This whole idea of the sacred and and can and shifting our perspective and stuff really is just connecting to love, isn't that right? That's like that's all it is. So actually having an intention of connecting to love or intention of sharing um, or giving somebody the wish cape for their birthday um, is, is, is a huge shift of energy, isn't it? It totally is. And I think what I've found, like particularly in the sanctuary membership, um, at first I was doing just like stuff for us to do within the community. So it's like soul journeys, meditations and stuff. But as soon as we started doing rituals that were actually a lot simpler so you don't need much you can figure out like from your kitchen you got all the stuff there or in your garden or whatever and then sharing them with your family oh my god everyone loves them so much more because it's actually about the connection rather than like doing all the spiritual things um and in in my experience like particularly with um yeah my parents like they're not like until just recently when my grandma passed, my dad's like, when you're dead, you're dead. Like he was like adamant about that. And, and then they've had a couple of experiences. He's like, maybe not. Oh, <laughs> so, amazing. So I'm just putting that in context. Like he's at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Lover and a lovely man, but not, not same kind of belief system as me. And yet we could do a fire ceremony. We could do a, like a visioning workbook because we're just talking from our heart. Mm-hmm. We're not doing all this like mumbo jumbo stuff. And we so were. you can really <laughs> simplify it down. And I think particularly for those of us, like my husband's now completely into all this stuff and like he's had his own awakenings with nature and all of that. And so, but it wasn't always this way. Like we've yeah. kind of like found our way together um so yeah and and I, I think it's so common for um particularly like there's a lot of women who are like on a spiritual path and then they're like oh, I'm kind of in this spiritual closet compared to my normal life I swear anytime that that with my non-spiritual friends if I simplify it not in a dumbed down way but just mm-hmm. in a what are we actually doing here? We're talking from our heart rather than trying to use all these spiritual terms. Yeah. Oh my God. They just, they'll dive right in. (laughs) So it's, and I think for me, I've been playing a lot with the word like sacred versus divine and God and all of that. I used to use the word divine a lot and I have nothing against that word at all, but in, I've been doing this training, um, and it's called the inner temple mystery school training and within it I just I've kind of stopped using the word divine and replaced it with sacred and I think for me that kind of the sacred describes that holy which is wholeness that is here as well as elsewhere um and so yeah I think when you're doing like a ritual a a ritual with the divine versus like just acknowledging the sacred Mm. I think they're a little bit different um and maybe that's where the the embodiment comes in yeah maybe you're bringing the divine into the body where it becomes sacred right exactly and recognizing that it's here already Mm -hmm. and always has been yeah Yeah. Mm. I 
I've been recently um, connecting to the, well, understanding this divine love, this like big love energy of the universe mm. and seeing it as love rather than universal source, etc. And putting the word love to it actually gives me more um, cognizance or something. It's like I can connect to it more when I see that it's a force of love. And like mm. when I ask that love to go somewhere, you know, like a, almost like a prayer but it, if I feel like it's more direct or something when yeah. I'm asking love this body of love can you please go to x for this reason I feel like that is actually doing that and job I wonder if that is because we have more of a felt experience like an embodied experience of because I think they're kind of the same thing mm. but love we know how it feels like when we love someone yes. whereas yeah. how do we feel when we source someone like I don't I don't know. I work a lot with source, but I don't, I can't feel it in my body. I can yeah, feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As love. And maybe that's the gnosis, you know, going back to mm-hmm. the, the the feeling it in your body, the knowing right. of it. And that's the embodiment of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting in the context of the work you do with tapping and emotional freedom and all of that, because I think with embodiment as well I think a lot in a lot of cases awakenings can first happen when we experience a trauma it like it opens us up to elsewhere Mm. um but then eventually it's like sometimes part of us can kind of separate off you know so we're kind of operating up here and then it's like how do we how do we come safely into our body so we can properly experience it rather than just kind of escape to it yeah Mm. yeah I mean you see that a lot with trauma and that's you know the disconnection this jumping ship kind of behavior that we naturally have because it doesn't feel safe right now but it feels safe and floaty up here in the cosmos or wherever we're yeah and I think that there are times on our journey where like that is part of it you know like we we're like that is a safe place to retreat to Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we don't want to stay there and be bypassing things. It's like when it is safe enough, how can we bit by bit return to the body but but bring that in with us? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on that, but it, I'm definitely in that inquiry. Yeah. Something I've been really trying to get a handle on as well is, you know, I believe in my own power to create my life and I believe that connecting to love more often than negative energy, for example, or lack of love, will bring more love experiences to me. And I believe that our thoughts can shape then, you know, um, those future experiences. But how, how do I reconcile and how do people reconcile big, big traumas? Like what we, what we went through with Alice. Like mm. I, I personally believe that that happened for me to propel me into this world um, and like Alice is like my spirit guide and, and we commune mm-hmm. together and she's with me and she helps me and all those lovely things. But for someone who isn't on that path yet or hasn't got to that acceptance place yet, how do we reconcile that we, we have the power to shape our experiences and to create, you know, wonderful things into our life and abundance beyond belief if we, if we use the right tools but at the same time, we can also and have also have very big negative experiences that give us that 
that blast. How do we explain that? I'm, I, I, I'm at a loss, actually, because I've been thinking about it for a while. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that is one of the greatest mysteries there is. And I'm not going to pretend I have an answer to that. But yeah, but no, totally. And I think it's interesting. I think, you know, there is this, in some spiritual circles, there's this kind of like ethos of everything happens for a reason. And I think that is a really great belief system when you're struggling through something. Um, But it's also not helpful in some cases. Um, And yeah, like losing a child and just horrible things that, that, that happen. I I don't know the reason for it all. Um, I'm talking like personally when it happens and then also with loved ones when it happens. And I think that, you know, on one hand we can say, yeah, like, our journey makes us and um but it's so highly personal you know I have friends who um have transmuted these experiences into deep blessings like you um but also that transmutation like it doesn't happen overnight you know like um I I had a a miscarriage a a quite late miscarriage just recently as in like just over Christmas And at the time I was just like, what, what is, I'm only now, I mean, it's, and I say only now, it's not that much, what is it like seven months after or eight months after I'm beginning to see a thread. I couldn't see a thread until just recently. And so the pressure to, to see the why and understand it now we're always going to, that's part of the grieving process. Like it's human nature to want to understand it. But also I think part of the journey as well, and I think this often does crack open this awakening experience where you're just like, what, yeah, right, crack open. What the hell is happening? Why is this happening? I give up. I surrender. I I can't possibly, I'm not more strong than this whole universe like I'm just part of it you know like it humbles us in a way and then I think with time and we know we one thing that we do know is generally with time the ache does ease um and we can you know and I don't think this is the case for all things that happen to us um And I don't necessarily believe all things happen for a reason in this kind of like silver lining thing, but I think that they make us and they mold us. And if those things didn't happen, we wouldn't be who we are today. And then that makes me go to nature and, you know, like the rose with the petals, it's just like, oh, no, just stay. Why can't you stay like this forever? But then you know that more is coming, more is coming, more is coming. but yeah, I I don't have any answers <laughs> about the mystery of life except for I do I do sense that there is some kind of intelligence pulsing within it all, which you know I don't understand it, but I sense it. Yeah, and maybe someday we will consciously in this life understand that, or maybe, maybe. on the other side we'll. Maybe hopefully understand it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what did you do to support yourself through your life? And I'm, you know, I was very sorry to read about mm. your loss. Um, what? How did you support yourself? 
Oh, good question. Um, yeah, I think that things like that are particularly difficult because it's like it's hard to talk about and people find it hard to talk about. So, yeah, I um, I don't think I was like there's this like really great process that I'm going to follow now. <laughs> um, but I think that what I did do is like I, I was lucky that I have a son who was here. And so it made me just like be more, more here, there. And um, yeah, and just kind of, I mean, I tend to throw myself into work. <laughs> That's what I do. And um, when, when I conceived that child, I, um, I, I also was conceiving this training that I've been working on. And so mm-hmm. it was at the same time. And so the thread that I kind of began to see was like, oh my gosh, like maybe they came in and like created oh. it with me. And so yeah. that was like a, you know, and you could say that's just me silver lining it, or you could say, no, no, that's literally what happened. Mm. And so I began kind of like talking with them and like asking them so in a similar way that that you're talking, I think, um, of like, right, so what do we do next? And so I definitely threw myself into creating in a different way. And my husband has been working on that project as well. And I think that we used that birth energy, which is definitely a really thing, really thing, really real thing into birthing that instead. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I did the same. And um, I, uh, I left my job for three, I decided to take some time off just, just three months. But mm. in that, you know, in the following, I, I, I was doing photography as well. So I, I threw myself into creating the website and then after I had my son a year later, it was a year and a week after Alice was born, I all of a sudden decided I needed to have an online clothes company for kids. It was great. Myself and my sister, we did it together. Looking back, I see it was a real trauma response just having, because I had no work, you know, and work was yeah. my my thing. And I was at home with a new baby and I was re, re-triggered, re-traumatized. Mm. And I was like, right, this is what I'm going to do. And it, I mean, would I do it again now, knowing what I'd know? No, I wouldn't. Mm. But at the time it was, it was healing and I needed to put my energy into something. Like I needed to create, I suppose that's a similar. I really, I really hear you. And I think that's really interesting because there's, there's so much talk about trauma at the moment, um, which is amazing because I think we all need to look at it. Yeah. But I think that there can also be all this judgment on like, oh, you're just, you know, when, when something happens, it's like, oh, she's just throwing herself into work or into this, into that. And it's like, you know what, like when difficult things happen, we need to survive in, in a way. And actually, even if the things aren't particularly healthy, um, not, I'm not even referring to what you just said, but just whatever it is, like sometimes, whether it's like food or whatever, like, just like, get yourself through what you need to and you know try not to do it forever but like yeah we all need those things to to lean on and 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 again they take us in different directions too and so oh god yeah <laughs> it was it's, it's uncanny because i with the um uh with the clothes company i went to paris and i had dinner with these girls from tibet and marl they make the the gorgeous handbags yeah um, kids, kids backpacks and things and uh, Lydia told me about Katie Jane, Katie Jane, right? I don't know if you know her. She does crystals and oh. healing. And 
she channeled a message to Alice for me within like within a week or two of that meeting and that has that's another pivotal moment for me you know like that you have these like moments so really actually yeah I wouldn't go back and change anything because of the people that I met through that experience have really shaped my journey to now yeah totally totally and it's all different phases as well you know like you know I don't know how long ago that was but it's like yeah if it happens now like 10 years later or whenever it is like we're different people so of course we wouldn't do it again but then it's who we are now (laughs) we would I would probably want to create something else anyway. I would like, exactly, exactly. I would do something else. So this mystery school training. So I've heard of the mystery school and I, the you know, the original mystery schools. I have yeah. heard that Yeshua was in Glastonbury training at the mystery <laughs> school there. I've heard rumors of, um, I don't know, you know, Isis, she's here in front of me and all sorts of things. So can you, for for the person who's never heard the term, the mystery <laughs> take us on a bit of a journey and yeah. what are you bringing in? Because I am so excited about it. Oh, well, it, it's quite it's quite related to the topic that we've been talking about, interestingly. So first of all, mystery is basically the unfathomable. So the big questions of life. And so the sacred is the biggest mystery that there is. <laughs> and so... <laughs> It's really about wisdom teachings and um, it's called the Inner Temple Mystery School. And the idea behind that is that the sacred is within us, it's above us, it's below us, it's all around us. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, with this, with the training and with the, the my mystery school, um, but there is, it's, it, as you say, it reaches all the way back. Um, it really is about attuning to the sacred intelligence, the wisdom within everything. Um, and we work through six different mysteries, which are parts of nature. Um, and so you're using them as a guide and a gateway. So it's like bringing the sacred right here or recognizing that it is already here as a way to kind of understand yourself more, to grow and to create and, um, yeah, really discover your medicine, but also express it in a, in a ever deepening way. So would it aid expansion and and grounding and growth and change and that kind of thing? All of those things. And I think that what's interesting, um, the what we're working with as we go through the mystery school um, are guides that can, so the way I see it is that the medicine that we need, we receive. So it's not kind of like we explore like, everything that's not everything, but (laughs) folklore and myth and things that have been written and from the past, but then it's very experiential. So you're really experiencing it for yourself. So there is, there is a section where we definitely like read and learn and all of that, but then the bulk of it is having our own embodied lived experience. Exactly, gnosis. So, and then of course, that's completely different from person to person to person, and there'll be crossovers as well. Yeah. So, I wonder, could you repeat it? Like, say you did it now, and then you did it in a year's time. Yeah. The the gnosis of it would be different, wouldn't it? One hundred percent, because we're working with these different parts of nature as teacher, and so they'll meet us where we are at any point in time. Yeah. Wow, I feel really excited about that. Actually. <laughs> oh. um, 
the flowers. So I've been personally taking some flower essences recently. I don't know if you've heard of Saskia's flower essences. She's down Somerset Way. So she's Ooh. around the corner from you. Oh. And I had her, I have her on her podcast. Just you check her out. She's wonderful. Saskia. Saskia's flower essences. And so I've been working with the flowers more and bringing them into my son's drinks bottles when they don't <laughs> There we go. And I've been infiltrating some of the local parents and da- dads. I've got them on the flowers. Um, and you obviously are really connected with the rose. So before we go, and I obviously don't want to take up too much of your time, but just share with us the the impact the rose has had on you and, and how you've because you've, you've you've actually got an oracle deck which I have here the rose oracle deck um with teachings of the rose so the rose really came um now not not early on in my journey as in as in like when I had my first awakening when I was a teenager but around like 2010 to 2012 when I like you know took the leap and like you know probably answered the call and did the big life changes and it was like what happened before that was um, sudden loss of several very dear friends, like through death, um, end of relationship. So there were like lots of um, big life moments that really hurtled me into deep grief, really. Um, and the rose, now I can look back and I can see so clearly what happened. At the time, it wasn't as clear as this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a couple of like medicine women like recommended using rose oil on the front and back of my heart, like as a way of like helping the heat, like keeping the heart open. Mm. Um, but also like healing it and softening it. Um, I started like buying myself roses each week and I started discovering just like how important beauty was in my life as in natural beauty. Um, and how inspired I felt when I was around beauty and nature and so I started following that trail and it ended it I it, and I ended up at Regent's Park Rose Garden which is Queen Mary's Rose Garden where there's like thousands and thousands and I would walk there every day this is really where I, I had done this practice when I was younger working as a creative in advertising on walking along the beach like communing with the ocean but um I, I had kind of stopped doing it. You know, I'd sit under trees and stuff, but it was there was definitely a disconnection when I was working in, in the city. Mm. And so I, I actively started that connection again. And so I'd go there every day on my way to work and, and I, I knew I was being called to write. Um, I was working as a copywriter as well, so it wasn't like total left field, but I knew I needed to write like the whispers. The yeah, exactly. And so I was just like, in that disciplined way, and I do, and I am a believer in rhythm and discipline. I just said, okay, I'm going to write for like 10 or 15 minutes a day. That's it. And I can write like on my phone as I'm walking to work if I need to, but I'm just going to show up to that. And I found that when I was in nature and around the flowers in particular, oh my gosh, I was just so inspired. And the whispers came much more loudly than if I was, you know, just trying to do it while watching TV or whatever. So yeah, that was the the beginning of of a very long journey with the rose. <laughs> Which um yeah, there's lots more stories, but yeah, that's really where the connection began. And you were called to create an oracle deck um that also teaches the wisdom of the rose. And mm-hmm. you know, it's only um only in the last few weeks that I've actually met other people 
who hear from the plants and the uh, plants mm. and the flowers and they get they can commune with them and that for me as a concept is completely new like it almost feels bonkers like how on earth am I getting message from the rose so when you first started communing with the the roses did you feel like did you because for me I'll just go straight into am I making this up like what what's yeah, going totally. on well I think it helped that I'm like I was my job was to be a creative and to capture ideas and writing anyway so I had like I had a deadline every day to have like a hundred headlines and da, 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 da. so yeah. at first it wasn't like I'm going to go to the water and speak to the water. <laughs> but what I started noticing was that when I was in nature and when I was moving in nature, um, I was able to come up with much better creative ideas oh. and, and words that way. So that's how it really began. Um, yeah. I also remember like riding the bus at school, like the motion definitely helps. The motion and nature um, the two together. So like when <laughs> this is nothing to do with like the work I do now, or maybe it is, but I re- I would get the best ideas for like talent quest shows and dances and stuff, listening to my Walkman as I was walking in nature. So it was like, it was something that creative flow and being in, with nature, that's where it really I realized the connection. Mm. Um, I mean, I suppose like my grandma did like introduce me to the flowers when I was younger as in like, this is this flower and there are spirits of the flowers, like a fairy tale type thing. Um, so maybe that was somewhere in my psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until really with the Regent's Park Rose Garden when, again, I had the deadline of writing. Um, at first it was just writing for an Instagram post, but then it turned into a whole book. Um, having that container, um, really helped. I I don't know if it would have happened had it not. And then I began just like noticing the subtle difference. I'd been, I was studying intuition as well, studying the subtle difference between like when I connect with a tree versus a flower versus different types of flowers, Um, and it just became this practice that I just did. Um, and then I started visiting like ancient stone circles and things Mm -hmm. and I'm like, Oh, I get a different feeling here. So it's been very, very gradual. And then even for the, for the mystery school training, I've been trying to like anchor all these, um, practices into like you know like look back and like like who else has done them and you can see that there are so many of these practices that are done all around the world um and it's because it's recognizing that um so it's a thing called animism that everything has a consciousness um and yeah and of course like we're humans we've got our own filters and channels and all of that like you know, the message you'll get will be different to the one I get. Maybe we'll get a similar one, but it's, it's also just like, you know, when you're talking to a a person um, or if uh, let's just say you both go to a movie, what speaks to each of you will be slightly different. So it's not necessarily about getting like the answer from the rose rather than a, a way of, I think it is a form of embodiment of like, connecting acknowledging the sacred here in the rose or whatever it is which means in order to see the sacred in this you need to be acknowledging the sacred in you Mm -hmm. and so then 
you can have this communion moment, which is essentially, you know, it's what we talk about in spirituality, oneness, but it's, it's a proper lived experience versus just like, we're all one, you know, like, what does that even mean? It's like, oh, I'm actually connecting with this essence that I have no idea what it is, but I can sense it. And people sense it all the time, regardless of whether they say they talk to flowers, like the, the, the sun setting, there is these moments of awe where it's just like, wow, look at that. You both feel like um, the oneness, the unity with everything because you're observing this moment and also insignificant at the same time. So we all experiencing that. The beauty of a rose when if you actually slow down and look at it, you're just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, what is that? And maybe that's why we say that. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the, the morning dew card, I was, um, I picked it recently and I've been out running sometimes in the morning and I stop now at the roses. There's some beautiful roses in the houses near me on the beach and they have that morning dew on them. Mm. So I take, I ask the rose, but I take some of the morning dew and I put it on my heart. Aww. And that's only because I read that card. So Aww, thank you that that's so there. beautiful. I love that. Mm. And that's a perfect example of like, weaving the sacred into the everyday and like if I'm walking we've got there's these little sunflowers next door to us and um it was my son's name Sunny so I'm like sunflowers Sunny and so I'll put him up and we look at them and we look how they've changed and even just like you know kids rip things off with I'm like no no no, don't say that so I make him go back and apologize to the flower now that's a sacred moment do you know and so mm, there's so many ways that we can do that. And mm. um, just finally, before we go, this podcast is listened to by a lot of mums um, yeah. and they're busy, they're stressed, they're overloaded, they're anxious, they're disconnected, some burnt out, you know, so there's a lot been going on for everybody. Where, what, where, what advice do you have right now? Like how important is it that we find that sacred Yeah. So I think try one of two things. One, just seeing the sacred a little bit more in your day-to-day life. So if you have flowers in your garden, just like maybe taking three breaths a day with something beautiful in nature. That's it. And it doesn't have to be three breaths in a row. It can just be when you're dropping your kids to work on the way out and the way back and then another time. And then another thing you can do is find or commit to some form of repetitive practice. And by that, I mean like something you can do every day. Now I'm as a mom, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to commit to a morning practice because (laughs) I mornings are not mine. (laughs) So, so I'll do it different. So the way I do it now is when I get to work, I do a 10 minute practice. Um, And I think that if you've got lots of stuff going around and around in your head, um, journaling is the best that I know. Mm. So yeah. And like, it doesn't have to be hard. Like if you're just so exhausted, um, like something like yoga nidra is amazing and you can put it on as you're going to sleep. So yeah. don't make it be something that's like dutiful, like show up to it. And sometimes you might not want to show up to it, but choose something that will be nourishing for you. It doesn't have to be hard work. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. That was gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks, everyone. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this chat and have had a few light bulb moments. Have a think about what your key takeaways are. Please do subscribe, follow or leave a rating or a view to help this podcast reach more people. I really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out my website to take my quiz and start ramping up your self-care practices. www.tappingformums.com 